This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy pick of the week, number 583, brought to you by Harry's. Go to harrys.com right now and enter the code iFanboy at checkout to get a free trial set. That's harrys.com and the code iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Out of sight in the dead of night. 
Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 583. I am Josh Flanagan. I am with my co-host, Ron Richards. Josh, good to be back. It's good to have you back. And I know, it's good. I, I, I mean, I, I, we, we, you and I have been doing the show for a month now. We've yeah. gotten used to being two, two hosts. You know, we've gotten over the loss of Connor. I think we're, we're, we're ready to press on. That's true. And, of course, there's our other co-host. Oh, wait. <laughs> and you are? Not Mussolini, that's for sure. <laughs> I did not say Mussolini. He, <laughs> he, he hijacked my metaphor. <laughs> and Listen, made it into a literal fascist. Listen, Mussolini was a great man, but the train's not <laughs> on time. Hi, I'm Connor. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back, Ezekiel, Steve, Connor, Benito. <laughs> At least we know he listens to the show. <laughs> yeah. It's true. That was a fun little surprise. <laughs> it's supposed to be nice. Welcome, Welcome back, brother. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we are I fanboy for now. <laughs> And every week we read our stack of comics and one of us picks their favorite book and we call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book. We talk about the other books, the patron pick. Uh, hopefully we do some listener mail. It's a fun old time. Of course, we are talking about what happens in the book. So there's spoilers. There's your warning. Because uh, Benito there was on Walkabout for a month. It's obviously his pick. That's right. And it was nice to get back to the routine of reading comics. And uh, actually, had, I've been reading a lot of comics in the last couple of weeks as I've been catching up from my time off. And this week was a pretty good week, and I had a bunch of books I could have picked. But in the end, no one was more surprised than me that all-new Guardians of the Galaxy number one was the pick of the week from uh, Jerry Duck and Aaron Cooter. It was a book that wasn't even originally on my pull list. I read all my books, and I, you guys had talked about the last issue of Guardians of the Galaxy that Brian Bendis wrote. And you mentioned that they were starting over again with Jerry Duggan. And I saw Aaron Cooter was drawing it, and we, we mentioned him as, as one of the few bright new artists that are out there. Even though I don't remember how many years he's been with us now. Yeah, he's been around for a while, but still, but newer in yeah. terms of the mainstream books. Yeah. I really like him, so I thought, you know what, I'll give it a shot. You guys, this will come up later in the show, but I always feel a little bit left out in the Guardians of the Galaxy love, because you guys got really into it what, seven years ago. Got super into it, super into. It. I got. I got to admit, just a quick uh, side note. I saw. So the new movie came out, and which I, which we saw, which we'll talk about later on. I saw it at the Alamo, and you know how they do the little like uh, pre-show before the movie starts at Alamo, and they actually edited together a whole comic book history of Guardians of the Galaxy, like this little like five-minute video, and wow. they sh- and like and as I'm watching it, they're showing like covers and pages from that classic Advent and Lightning run. I was like, oh god, that was a great time. Also. More than 10 years ago. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> I read the first page, and it was, you know, fun aliens talking about this impenetrable planet that's, like, the best place to store your valuables because you can't, you can't break anything out. I'm like, okay, so we're good. We're, it's a heist story. And then I turned the page to the double-page spread of Galactus showing up, and it, it's just this gorgeous double-page spread. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be the pick of the week. I could just tell right away Aaron Cooter was a big reason why this was the pick of the week. I thought he did a really great job. Good uh, choice. Here. Good editing. Yeah. yeah. Really, really great work here. I mean, he, he's someone who, when he first came on, I was like, oh, this guy's really interesting. And his style has evolved even in a short time he's been around. He definitely has an identity of his own, but he's perfect for this book. He can draw these great aliens, over-the-top action. It was great coloring as well from Ives Forcina. You know, you've got a heist story here where the Guardians have to steal something from the place that can't be stolen from. And it's pretty simple. It's called smash and grab, and, and it leads to trouble, as always. 
I think one of the 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 highlights of this is is a ship in the shape of Galactus, right? Because as as I started reading this, it opens up with Galactus kind of arriving at this planet, but it's purple Galactus. I was like, hey, what's up? Galactus is yellow now, and then and then the the face opens up and the guardians spill out of it. I was like, okay, this is going to be a lot of fun, and I was surprised that you picked it, like, but I wasn't I wasn't like bowled over with surprise because. I'm a huge Jerry Duggan fan. I know how good Jerry can be uh, with this sort of stuff, and especially coming off of the disappointing or you know not living up to its potential run of Bendis. I was glad to see that Duggan took it in the you know kind of fun you know what are what are these guys good at kind of uh, way and and yeah. So I was after reading it, I was like, oh yeah, it makes perfect sense that it was. The and fact. the thing is, like we have been bemoaning the fact that the comics are taking their cues from the movies and the TV shows. However, here it works. Yep. It's very much in the tone of the first film. I haven't seen the second one yet. It's very much in the tone of the first one. The characters are obviously the same lineup. Baby Groot is Baby Groot. Did that happen in the Bendis book too? Is that a thing? Or is that he's just suddenly Baby Groot as well? I forget. I think I... No, he wasn't. He wasn't Baby Groot, to be honest with you. He planted himself in Central Park. Yeah, no, he wasn't Baby Groot. I think that was a thing that happened briefly in the comics. And the, yeah. the movies really picked up on it. Because he was destroyed and had to grow back at some point, but it didn't. Well, yeah, no, there. no. But in terms of recently, in terms of where the last series left off, he was uh-huh. full size Groot. He wasn't oh, yeah, a baby. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, yeah, that doesn't matter. So in that sense, it's synergistic. But it, if you can execute to this high level, then it, it's easier to take. And I'm becoming a really huge fan of Aaron Cooter's work. I think this is the perfect book for him. Boy, isn't it? I mean, it's just it looked great. And I don't know if it was because it was on the iPad and it was really brightly lit. But the coloring was really, it popped. Everyone's really bright. You know, you've, you've got a story here with people with green skin and blue skin and raccoons and baby trees and giant fish ships and giant, giant space fish, giant Galactus ships. And by the way, that was a really, really smart idea. The Galactus idea. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, God damn it. That was smart. It really is. <laughs> it's just, it was yeah. just a really fun issue. I had a couple other books where I thought they were going to be the pick and this one just, I kept thinking about how much fun I had reading that one and how much I wanted to read the next one and how much I love Aaron Cooter and how much I love that double-page spread. I mean, the, the perspective on that with Galactus in the back with the Kirby dots. Yep. You know what's impressive about that is that, like, they had this just killer idea, and, like, you see Galactus, and, and you know, it's double-page spread, but he's just sort of one little bit of that page. First panel of that next page, pop, like, it's over. Yep. They don't they don't, they don't, yep. don't even, you know, relish it or hang around, and, and they could, and everyone would have been fine. Right. Yeah, so but it was, like, super um, uh, effective storytelling. So the killer idea is that this impenetrable planet in which everyone has their valuables, how do you get people off that planet is you have Galactus show up and everybody flees. turns out it's not really Galactus, it's just a little ship shaped like Galactus that the Guardians are using to get into this basically a giant vault planet. It's, it was a really, really fun issue. I mean, super fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just, it, it just, it just distills down into what makes the Guardians good. You know, and like, and and you're right. You know, there's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the theme at the top of the show is, at least for me, is the synergy of Guardians of the Galaxy as Marvel finally gets a movie release right, or quote unquote right, but um, or maybe not. Well, I guess we'll criticize. <laughs> you know, but you got you got enough of the character interplay, the interfighting, the bickering, you know, and it, and it, and you know, a tie-in at the end to this, you know, the celestial kind of truly cosmic kind of stuff. You know, and then, and you know, while this is really kind of a one and done, it just you know this heist story, you know, it leaves you with a little bit of a cliffhanger that 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 says, okay, well, we're building to something. I think it's a great a great start to a series. And yeah, Cooter, I think Cooter is perfect for the sci-fi kind of stuff. I mean, like the there's the opening pages of those aliens and all this sort of stuff, and then the big space fish. Yeah, it just as I was reading it, I was just like, yeah, now this is what I'm talking about at Guardians. Also, continuing from Action Comics, drawing the best beards in the business. 
I don't. Can I be honest with you? I don't understand the Marvel obsession with putting Quill in a beard. I don't know. Because here's the thing, like, because it's it's a it's a recent thing. Like, so when the you know for years and years and years, Star Lord was clean shaven, mm-hmm. and then Chris Pratt comes along, and it's not even like Chris Pratt has a beard. He's just scruffy. Yeah, it's scruffy, but but that translate in the comics to give him a full beard. And I think uh, Aaron Cooter likes drawing beards. Yeah, all right, maybe. <laughs> and also, kids like beards. Yeah, no, I know. It just, it just, I, it just for some reason it unsettles me. I feel like the ratio of facial hair in the comic to movie synergy is off. I think they need to dial down the facial hair in the comics. Well, I'll never get that <laughs> fourteen seconds back. So that was all new Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy number one. That was pick of the week. But if you're a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, boy, this was the week for you, as three Guardians of the Galaxy books came out. Give them credit. You know, you got you got the a big motion picture release on the on a major. You know, the kicking off the summer movie season uh, this weekend. When was the last time Marvel actually coordinated and had books on the shelves when the movie comes out? Right? I mean, it's like I'll give them credit. You know, so in addition to Jerry Duggan and Aaron Cooter kicking off the, I guess the quote unquote real book, we get this little side miniseries, which I guess is a weekly. Yeah, it looks like it's a weekly. Yeah. yeah. And so this is Guardians of the Galaxy Mother Entropy, number one, written by Jim Starlin, with art by Alan Davis and Mark Farmer. So I read this one, obviously. So what's what's funny is that I went into the comic book store on Wednesday, and on the counter where you know there's always you know the the like you know, three or four books that are like the the main ones that they're that they're pushing, and I went to grab Guardians of the Galaxy because I assumed it was the Duggan Cooter one, and I opened it up. I'm like, this is Alan Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I was very confused, but then I was delighted, and I and now in this case, Alan Davis is drawing a facially hair correct Star Lord in my mind. Although it's very swashbuckling. A bit more for swashbuckling. Yep. This, to me, felt more old school Guardians. Yep. You've got a, a, the same lineup, obviously, but you got a full-size Groot. Gamora looks a bit more like Gamora and not an Hollywood actress playing Gamora with the big mm-hmm. forehead. And uh, Peter Quill has the weird sort of, you're right, sort of like pirate facial hair. It's very swashbuckling. And with the hair. With Three the, Musketeers with the, with... a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very kind of swashbuckly. And the team's on nowhere. They're in debt. There's been a lien put on their ship so they can't leave. So they've got to reluctantly take a gig. And they've got to protect this guy who's delivering this box with something. And then Pip the Troll comes in. And Pip the Troll wants to steal what they got. And this is Starlin Cosmic Comics. And it was like, uh, this, as much as I love Duggan and Cooter to be like a more, uh, you know, contemporary take on it. This is like giggly 70s, 80s, you know, Starlin Cosmic Comics. And for, the, for us old comics fans, it was, it was a delight. And Alan Davis, anytime I get Alan Davis, I'm happy. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. This was super fun. Yeah. Is Starlin's bar something that's in nowhere? I, th- I think I'm so. pretty sh- yeah, I'm pretty sure because I was because I, I paused because I was like, really, Jim Starlin, you named the bar after yourself. But then I thought about it. And I was like, I bet you he's picking up from other people who yeah. like nodded to him. Yeah, I'm so. almost sure Abnett Landing had that there. Yeah, yeah. I thought the same thing. I was like, can you name a bar after yourself? And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, come on, Starlin. Check, like, your, check your ego. It's like that has to be something from another book. Ask that question to Neil Adams and see what you get. Well, that's, well. A, that's a little difference there. Yeah. <laughs> but this was super fun. If you like that old school vibe, I mean, not just because of the story, but the art, you know, the Alan Davis, Mark Farmer art takes you right back. Yeah, right. that's absolutely. You know, I hope, I hope they're all doing it, even though it's weekly. Maybe, hopefully they banked it up. Oh, I'm sure they did. They 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 did they did this before, didn't Starlin and Davis did something a couple of years ago that was like it was it was like a weekly four issue miniseries that like I I don't understand what the 
sales motivation is that for her, I guess. But I mean, but I'll take it. But this is not the first time I feel like we've gotten at least Alan Davis, if not maybe also Jim Starlin in a weekly four or five issue miniseries that they just pump it out. Right. I remember that happening a couple of years ago. Alan Davis, I just love the guy. Oh, God. Someday I'll get an original art from him. So expensive. Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout number one was a bridge too far. I did not read that. <laughs> yeah, so talking about corporate synergy, <laughs> even though Marvel and Marvel Studios and the larger conglomerate of DC, uh, not DC, Disney, <laughs> was able to coordinate the movie release and comics release, they were not able to coordinate the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout at Disneyland, uh, which is opening on May 27th. But they did get the tie-in comic out today, and that's what this is. It's a single issue that directly ties to the new ride that oh is at Disneyland. God. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, I guess that makes sense because they've been doing those with those other yeah. tie-in books. I mean, it's still they did, the, they did the Tiki Room. They did, yeah, they've been doing all these kind of parks books. Luckily, I believe this is just a one shot. I don't believe this is actually a series, even though it says number one because it does end at the very, you know it has an ending. Um, but yeah, in the first page. You see the building, which is the former Tower of Terror, Terror building yeah. that, that they just snapped stuff onto. Mm-hmm. But you see that building on an asteroid, and it's the you know, and it's the collector's collection, and blah blah blah. Wow. And then there's the sh- the shot of the guardians is direct of like each of the guardians in the little box because they've been captured by the collector, which is straight out of the ride. Yeah, this is this is totally park synergy. And as somebody who enjoys the parks, it's uh, it's nice to see. It wasn't the greatest comic book, but <laughs> synergy. <laughs> okay. Synergy. Yeah. Synergistic. If you're a Guardians fan or if you're a kid who's into Guardians of the Galaxy, this is like I, I would imagine like if I had a eight year old in my life who was into Guardians of the Galaxy and was just like, you know, you know, th- this would be it would be fine. You know, what about a nine year old? That would be fine, too. OK, so yeah. I'm really excited to talk to you guys about the button storyline. Batman 22. If it, Batman 21 had come out this week, it would have been the pick of the week for sure. Yeah. 22 was super close. Hang on, though. Let's just ruminate on two words, Connor. Yeah. The button. The button. The button. The button. Button. It, it button. can mean many things, Ron. You can press a button. Yeah, you can put on a button. <laughs> you could be on the button. <laughs> this was really good. I'm really enjoying I'm, this mini. I'm not mini, but it's yeah. crossover. A lot. A lot. <sighs> Look. Do I want the Watchmen characters in the DC universe? No. Is it going to happen anyway? Yes. Should I just try to make the best of it? Yes. Are these comics good on their own? Yes. Is it a bit Stockholm syndrome Maybe. Keep going. <laughs> like, Keep going. Please don't stop. It, it, like, I, I don't have anything better than what you're doing right now. So I don't think, I don't think anyone is happy with this turn of events in which the you know, Watchmen's being melded in the DC universe. However, so, it's going to happen. Listen, was, I, what, was I happy to see Flashpoint Batman? You bet I was. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this the way they're doing it is very unusual. This is They're, they're doing it in this crossover with these two books, and it's been very quiet so far. And I, I, remember, I heard you guys talk about how weird that was before. Yeah. And it is weird, but it's almost kind of good because it's being very contained. It's being done by just these two writers who are quality writers. This feels like old comics, Connor. Yeah. That's exactly what I, my, I was thinking. Like, it, I was like, oh, it's DC Comics. Yeah. Like, it, it feels this, and looks like it. Like, Fabok or however you say his name. So we, we have to learn that at some point, by the way. Fabok. Like, 
Steve. It was like uh, Ethan Van Skyber, but, but with like, but with none of the conscience problems that I have at this point. Well, yeah, no, it remind it remind the art reminds me of like a little. I see a little Van Skyber. I see a little, a little Ivan uh, Ivan Reese. Ivan yep. Rice. You know, I, and Connor. I mean, we got to admit, Fabic, Fabic, Fabuk, Fabic, I see maybe one small panel where we got little lines in the top of the cowl of the Flash, and other than that, he drew it pretty. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. I mean, this is very, very impactful. This, you know, we we have Flash and Batman show up in the Flashpoint universe, which we all thought had ended at the end of Flashpoint, but apparently didn't end, and it kept going. And uh, we get Bruce and Thomas confronting each other and getting to chat, and I thought that was a very emotional stuff, where you have the father who never got yeah. to know his son, you had the son who never really got to know his father, both of whom became Batman, and then the moment where Thomas says, "Please go home." And just stop being Batman for my sake. And I thought that yeah. was really great. I, I will say this made me actually look back and go, you know, Flashpoint actually wasn't that bad. I could have spent more time there. I liked Flashpoint back then. Yeah. Yeah. And then I thought, you know, you get the classic hero moment in which the Flashpoint universe does start to end in the white flash that we see often in these DC books. And Thomas runs into it like a hero. I thought that was, I thought it was great. And then the little cliffhanger where we see reverse flash before he dies as Batman and flash catch up to him on the closet. I just love Batman swinging on the cosmic treadmill in the background like he's windsurfing. Yeah. It's just so bizarre. <laughs> like, obviously he can't run, but, like, it's just weird. The whole, um, you know, him holding on for dear life, riding the, uh, riding the cosmic treadmill is, is, is a very odd imagery. But I love it. It's just so... Yeah, I don't know why he can't just hold on to it. He's got to, like, ride it like he's, uh, like he's uh, water skiing. Right, right? Like paragliding, <laughs> like the people that pulled behind the, uh, on the parachutes. But anyway, this particular three issues... Run so far has been. This issue was written by Josh Williamson uh, with this plot by Tom King, and uh, yep. I thought the last issue, Batman Twenty One, was one of the best issues Tom King has written. Yep. Uh, this is great though. Cool. So yeah, so talking about big events uh, over at Marvel. So Secret Empire number one came out, forty-eight pages. Nick Spencer and Steve McNiven. Up to this point, you guys know I've been in. I've I've been. I don't know if I've been enjoying. I've been reading uh, the Captain America, Steve Rogers, what Nick Spencer's been doing with the whole Hydra thing. I believe I was very positive in my uh, commentary about Secret Empire Number Zero. I thought it was well yes, done. You, you got some good. You got some good. Uh, what's his name? Acuna. Um, Acuna art. Yeah, you got some. You know, like I thought it was a good start. And then Secret Empire Number One happens. I gotta tell you, uh, I, I feel like the only people more bored. In this comic, only people more bored than the people reading this comic were the people actually in this comic. All right. You've got Steve McNiven. You've got a world where Hydra has taken over. And what's the majority of the book? There's literally a meeting Meetings. where Captain America and the rest of Hydra sit around a table. And Captain America is literally bored with his fist up on his cheek as they're talking about how now Hydra has increased, has fixed the economy, increased the test scores, like they're fixing the world. And it's just like, I, I'm like, where's the action? Why do you have people sitting around in a, uh, sitting around a table for half the book? Mm. That's hard in a number one issue. Yes. For, especially for 48 pages, you know, like, and, and, and so like basically, and, and the other problem I had was that I thought zero was a, was a good kickoff to it because we saw the moment that, you know, Steve Rogers made his move and the moment that Hydra rose up. And then this issue picks up. There's no explanation of how much time has passed. There's no, you know, like you get a sense that time has passed because now the world is completely run by Hydra. 
you know, all the heroes are, are in hiding or on the run. And there's many, many mentions of what Hydra has done in terms of fixing the economy and fixing education and fixing the world and how great it is. But it's, it, it was almost too jarring. Like, I get what they're trying to do. Like, it's supposed to it's supposed to feel like an alternate universe, but it's not where a Flashpoint thing happens where this, you know, so like, give me one year later. Give me six months later. Give me some time to grab onto. But, um, yeah, no, this this was this was not not good. How were the trains? The, the trains ran on time, though. That's the important thing. So <laughs> let me ask you a question: if if you if you hadn't read issue zero, would this be completely incomprehensible? Yes. So why was it issue zero, not issue one? I, I don't know. It, it should have been issue one. It should have been issue one. I don't I don't understand what the motivation is here. But there's literally I'm going through flipping through the book. There's literally six meetings in this book. No, it's a, it's a My problem with with it. Is more that what we're we're starting to see. We saw this with that monstrous book a little while ago. Is that the new way to get superstar artists onto something is to have one do one issue each issue. Yeah, yeah. And I hate that. They're doing that for yeah. this series. Yeah. No, no, they yeah. did it on the other one though. We're gonna see it. Like that's a thing that they've decided to figure out. Like, oh, we can't afford either the time or the money to have somebody stick on something for that long or i mean maybe it's artists don't want to commit to something for that long or something like that but it's the it's the continuing story of the discontinuity of artwork in comics i think it's because they keep getting burned on events by these big artists and they come out super late and it ends up up affecting their entire publishing line and that happens i mean i I don't like it i don't like it necessarily either although i did like it with american alien but I think that's probably why, because they just get screwed. Well, because I, th- I feel like American Alien, that was part of the the pitch. That was part of the, listen, we're going to tell all these little that, vignettes about that Superman. That we're going to have a anthology. different artist. That works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anthology, exactly. But I mean, I can't imagine Steve McNiven like getting the script and going, all right, great, I'm back. I'm going to be drawing a big event book. All right, let's see. Captain America at a meeting, four pages. Oh, the heroes at a meeting, four pages. Captain America at dinner with Sharon Carter, four pages. I gotta you know, tell like, you, I flipped back at the beginning and I was like, wait, is this Steve McNiven or is he doing the whole thing? I just thought, I don't know if he was bored with it or what, but it didn't feel oh, yeah, like it. No, it was not good. McNiven. So did you read it? Jo- so you read it, yeah, right? Yeah, I read it. Did you, did you see Falcon's new G.I. Joe-esque costume? Uh, if I did, I didn't really is notice. It similar it. to the movies where he looks like a. No, G. no, it's not at all. I, I, I imagine. So I guess, I guess Sam Wilson ditched the Captain America persona because there's Falcon and he's got this green outfit, which has got a deep, deep V-neck that goes down to like his belly button. But then he's got a helmet like sci-fi from good from GI Joe. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's just like that's not aerodynamic at all. What is this? But like, there's other weird stuff. Like, so Hawkeye is leading, has got all the heroes, and they're holed up in a mountain where the Pantheon used to. You remember Hulk and the Pantheon? Um, it was like an old secret base of theirs, which I like that. But then Hydra's ruling the world, and Captain America has a team of Avengers that's got Scarlet Witch and Thor on it with no explanation. They joined up on the other side. And I but understand this is an alternate got- reality, isn't it? Or is no, it not? It's not an alternate reality. It's not. Oh. That's the thing is that that it's not at all. It's not like the Cosmic Cube tweet the world and this is the world now. No, what happened that was costume that Captain is awful. I'm sorry, I just found it. Yeah, you see what I'm talking about? I don't even think I saw him. <laughs> I know. It's actually, I, all right. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. It's literally okay. This is a line of dialogue from Captain America. I'm sorry for reading at the table, Sharon. It's just they gave me these briefing papers, but no one ever has time to read them. This one about public health. It's amazing. The progress we've made. Same with standardized test scores. <laughs> really? Like this is this is I a got, superhero comic. 
I gotta tell you the worst, and he's with his mopey face. I, I, I think like the like you know the people are mad like oh Captain America's a Nazi, which isn't strictly true, but whatever. The worst part is like so he he keeps her chained up as his like date. Like, like I was like oh how does Sharon fit in this? And like oh she she knows everything is shitty and she's mad and sitting at the table. I was like that seems way worse. Yeah. <laughs> I will point out that you guys have in the past uh, advocated for a book about bureaucracy in the Marvel Universe. So it seems like you finally got not, it. Not, this is not it. <laughs> Cameron, this is this is this is a middle management Red Skull. All right, that's different. Right. Well, here was well the, the other thing that pissed me off was that um was that in the in the in the in the meeting in the in the meeting scene it's the inner circle of Hydra and it's you know and it's Captain America it's Baron Zemo it's a bunch of characters I don't care about Doctor Faustus Madam Hydra and then Arnim Zola which is like all right cool give me some Arnim Zola and I don't know if McNiven just if the editor didn't catch this or McNiven just was doing this out of spite. But there's a bunch of medium shots at the table where, like, Arnim Zola's talking to Captain America and raises his hand. And uh, McNiven drew it from the chest up as if Arnim Zola's little camera head was his actual head and not his face in his chest. And it's just like, it's like, if you're going to show Arnim Zola, show the, the little blue face in the chest. Like, that top part isn't his head. Hmm. Maybe they did that on another panel, though. Maybe yeah. it's just funny. Yeah, I don't know, right? It's just, it's so, oh, God. I I, th- I mean, I think it comes down to, I don't think this was a bad comic necessarily. I just didn't, like, I don't, I, the whole time, though, I haven't really cared. I was bored. I mean, I was bored. I was bored by it. Yeah. So, so. are you going to, uh... Probably. Keep reading Of it? course. Of course. That's what's really funny, is that, yeah, for all the complaints, I mean, these yep. books are selling tons. And it's like, what do you expect Marvel to do here? You can complain, or you can, uh, and then don't read it because they'll keep making them if you if you keep buying them. Yeah, well, I have well, to do this show. I get I exactly. get you guys are different. I'm just saying in general, the the numbers came out on zero, and it was a blockbuster. Right. Yeah. Well, zero was good. Zero was good. If that was the the first issue, and you have a Kuna on that event, and it was, and it and and it, it it didn't do a time jump, and it wasn't ridiculous, and it wasn't filled with meetings. I mean, and I get, I understand that I do like bureaucracy, but this is just boring bureaucracy. Captain and like America literally doing bureaucracy. Literally, Captain America is bored in it. So why should I, as the reader, not be bored? Um, who died? That, that applies. Uh, Rick Jones. Spoiler. He was yeah. he was excellent. firing squad. Firing squad. Yeah. <sighs> All right. On that exciting note. <laughs> I, I need to shave, Connor. So you guys know, anyone who's listening, I've been on the road like four out of the last five weeks, six weeks. And I'm going out again. We got a regular um, Willie Loman over here, guys. So uh, one of the things I, I have a problem with when I'm on the road is I don't feel comfortable. I don't have all my bathroom stuff. You know, you don't feel like, oh, this isn't my soap, you know. Yeah. But one of the things you don't have to worry about with Harry's is you can travel with it. So I brought all my Harry's gear with me all throughout my trips. I had my little box with the extra blades. I had my little traveling case with the blades I was using. I had my handle. I had my soap. I felt at least, at the very least, my head felt like it should. And so that's what's so great about Harry's is you, is you can bring it and you can still feel good because the quality of the product is still so high. And that's why we're talking about Harry's today. For decades, Big Razor has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. And so Jeff and Andy, just two ordinary dudes who were fed up with getting ripped off, started Harry's to fix shaving. Harry's knew there was only one way to get insure quality, so they bought their own blade factory. It's in Germany. And as we all know, Germans make great blades. By taking less profits and selling directly over the internet, Harry's offers blades at half their price. 
For just $2 a blade compared to four or more, you'll pay at a drugstore. And Harry's is so confident you'll love their blades. They're giving you a free trial set for free. Just pay $3 in shipping. Your free trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and all important, as I mentioned earlier, the travel blade cover. That's $13 in value. You get to try for only $3 in shipping. Stop messing around. Start shaving today with Harry's by claiming their free trial offer. Just cover shipping. Go to harrys.com slash ifanboy for your free trial set, including a razor handle, five blade cartridge, and shave gel. harrys.com slash ifanboy. Stand up against Big Razor. Use Harry's. <laughs> my head feels great, no matter where I am in the world. Hey, listen, I'm on the road, too. I brought my, my travel razor. I'm all set. So it's, it's all you need. The Flintstones, number 11. If it had just been about the hipsters invading Bedrock, it might have been the pick of the week. Well, I mean, not only was it the hipsters invading Bedrock and gentrifying, but for me, the highlight of the moment was the recurring gag, at least two panels, of after Fred's birthday and Barney gives him his very thought-felt present of a life-size statue that he uh, carved to the both of them, and Fred doesn't like it. And Fred looks out on it and goes, really, I don't want it either. And then sees Barney in his window waving at him. <laughs> like, like that got it for me. Like those, it happens twice in the book, and that got got me every time. <laughs> so the hipsters move in. They've got a vegan place across the way. They are buying the properties up that are around Barney and Fred's house, and they're they're beautifying. They don't like the Barney statue, which is a little homoerotic. Yeah, <laughs> which it felt like a weird note that the hipsters wouldn't like the homoerotic statue. Right, you think that they would like it. Yeah, um, yeah. who knows? But I liked enough of it. I liked the landlord showing up to raise the rents and then Dino breaking the TV because Dino's an idiot. The alien stuff I wasn't quite as into, which is why I wasn't picking the week. Not one of my favorite issues. Yeah. You don't like hipster stuff. I, it's too close to home. I, I don't think. <laughs> no, I, I, th- I do think that, like, I was like, they're kind of doing gentrification, but it just wasn't as uh, toothy as maybe some of the other things they go gone after. Enough. It didn't go far enough. I think that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although I was sad to see at the end of the issue, it says next month, farewell to Bedrock. Last issue. Next. Damn it. I know. It's tragedy. So uh, I got a bone to pick with Marvel in relation to X-Men Gold number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, nothing about the artist. You know, that, that, that's all been talked about and said. But why on earth would you remind me <laughs> of a time that I look back on fondly with this goddamn cover? where you've got the new X-Men gold logo at the top, and you've got Kitty Pride saying, don't mess with the X-Men with the old logo. The old, perfect, wonderful, perfect yes. X-Men logo. I know. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Is that why you wanted to talk about the issue? That's it. It's purely that's it. I'm just really mad that they used the old logo to remind me that they even have the files. Like, <laughs> You're right. Maybe they didn't have them, but they didn't want to, they didn't right, want to make yeah. them again. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I just want to say I've been really enjoying... Golden blue, but I think blue is better. I, I, so I, I, you heard of me on the show. Yeah, blue is my favorite. Gold is not quite there yet. I do like the lineup, though. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. God damn that logo. I love that logo. <laughs> so continuing on Marvel Cosmic, Nova number six. This was an issue where between this and the Guardians books, I was like, man, I really, I really got to go back and read those Abnett Landing books. Oh, they were so good. They were really they were so, good. They were so, it's not so like good. you were in a position to have known about it, though. I know, I just, it wasn't like I heard about it every month from you guys. No one ever got it for, for Christmas. 
That's very funny. Um, yeah, no, I think this is great. This is dealing with why Rich Rider, like it, it goes into explains what happened in the Cancerverse, and yeah, I mean, I, this is I, I, this is this has been solid. It, uh, it's been, you know we talked about it being a little up and down. I think this was more of an up. Josh, <sighs> um, it's fine. Didn't you put this on the list? <laughs> Who I added did. it? I, 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 yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where I stand on it. I think, and I, I don't. I, I really liked. Sam and 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 um, why can't I think? Rich, uh, you know, fo- sort of being in. I don't like the cancer verse stuff. Like I, yeah. I don't want that part. Like once it went there, I was like, oh, this is away from the part of the book that I was enjoying. And like then you have to deal with this. So what you what you had before was this team of guys who were like the older guy was helping the younger guy, and it was like they were trying. And now it's now it's like, how could you do this to us? And I was like, Ugh, it doesn't always have to do that. Do you, so do you think they should have just brought Rich back and just ignore the Cancerverse stuff? Absolutely. Guys like Ron yeah. would have screamed their heads off, though. Exactly, exactly. You got to explain how it came back. Then do it in a page and get it done with and just have him, have him be. I mean, it's like every other character family has a, an old one and a new one or a girl one and a boy one and just like have this, like, just let it be. Yeah. So nowhere is is what not nowhere. Uh, world mind. World mind is what. World mind is like the collective uh, intelligence and and sort of the Jarvis, so, uh, not, not the, like the movie. Alexa. Mm. Mm. Like a sentient Alexa. Yeah, the, the yeah, Alexa of the Nova Nova Corps. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the Jarvis, but the movie version, not the right. Yeah, it was it, it's it was the it's the computer that's in their helmets, yep. and there was and there was a main kind of like a power battery Green Lantern kind of example, whatever, where the world mind was, but it was also networked through all their helmets. So whenever I also don't like and, that. And at the end of Rich Rider's thing, I'm pretty sure the Nova Corps was gone. And World Mind was in Rich's helmet. It was, you know, it was all that sort that of was, stuff. But that, yeah, yeah, that was in that book for a while. And yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't like the idea of like he's mad and wants to get. I've seen that story a lot, where like the yeah. artificial intelligence or the computer or whatever gets mad and wants revenge and train. Uh, eh. Yeah, we've seen that. So anyway, but I'm very curious to talk to Josh about Black Bolt number one because this was fantastic. It was really good. It was really good. It was actually Black Bolt. It was something I recognized. It looked good. It read good. The tone was good. They took Black Bolt out of the club. Yep. <laughs> Put him, you know, like I was like, oh, it's a it's a real Black He looked like Black Bolt. He didn't have a modified it, costume. And it didn't, I mean, it tied into the power, but it didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't, you know, like, so he's in, he's imprisoned and he's got this muzzle and you think it's keeping him from being used as power, but then the muzzle comes off and he's in a place where the power doesn't work. You've got Crusher Creel, but he's, he's got no powers, like it ties, so it ties back to Marvel and the whole world, but like has got that cosmic kind of feel. Christian Ward yeah. destroyed, I mean, this is, I think this was my pick of the week, to be honest with you. This like is, this was, this was really good. What do we know Ward from? Uh, he did like, Odyssey where? with with uh, Fraction. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, he did he did some stuff on Ultimates uh, Ultimates Two or Ultimate, you know, like the more recent Whatever. Ultimates. Yeah. He. I mean, he's great at this. You know, really out there. You know, kind. You know, he's he's, he's a kind of page in yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. I was on a uh, Inhumans boycott, but I'm downloading it right now. I'm surprised, Ron, that you read it, considering how virulently against the Inhumans you were. Well, he, but here, yeah, here's the thing is that one, I'm pro Christian Ward and I was curious and I saw some pages about it. And when I, when I saw the pages I saw prove that he was not in the nightclub, it was not related to anything that was going on in humans. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. It was written by Saladin Ahmed, uh, Saladin Ahmed, who I don't even know who that is, but, I think um, he's a internet, like a Twitter thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Like, well, anyway, 
it, it, so I just I gave it a shot. I'm like, yeah, let me give it a shot. I'm glad I did. It didn't. It was the fact that it wasn't written by Soul and tied into the whole Uncanny Avengers and all that sort of Uncanny in, in humans. Um, the cloud. Was, the yeah, the cloud. cloud. Yeah, exactly. Saladin Ahmed is a science fiction fantasy writer. There you there go. Is. I mean, there's a great the page where he breaks out of his the, there's a full page splash page when he breaks out of his the gauntlets that he's you know, trapped in. I mean, it, it, for me, this is like it was a tour de force with art. But Ahmed's script and story was also sparse in dialogue. There was a lot of show, not tell. Oh, good. Which works. I mean, it, it was interesting. As somebody who, a lot of times when you get those other writers who come in, it gets very, very wordy. And this yep. was actually very, very sparse in words, which I think was, was good because it, it told a great story and got it across. This is, it was fantastic. Great. I'm going to download it and read it. Yeah. It was, it was cool. good. Cool. All right, so uh, that's going to lead us to our last book we're going to talk about, which is the book that you, our supporting patrons, uh, decided we needed to read. Psychopaths. <laughs> Every now and then. Like, we've had some ups. We've had some you guys downs, were praising them like three weeks in a row, and then you, you knew it would come back to bite you in the ass. We yeah, were, yeah. Yeah, so uh, what it was is that it was uh, Young Blood number one, uh, <laughs> written by Chad Bowers with art by Jim Tao, with a backup story with art and story by Rob Liefeld. And this is the latest chapter in Liefeld's attempt to reboot Youngblood, and I feel like I've read this comic nine times. I feel like I've read this comic nine times, and I don't like it. I don't, I've never liked it. What's funny <laughs> is I have no memory of the details of Youngblood. When yeah. I started reading this, and I was like, I don't remember. If you put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you the, the, the premise of Youngblood. Uh, it started to come back a little bit. Weren't they like sort of celebrity superheroes was that it that well that they've, they've taken they've taken a bunch of different there've been a bunch of different gimmicks that have been applied to them over the years at first they were a government team avengers-esque right well all, all the original books are just ripoffs of marvel books that were out there originally right exactly and then and then when they got rebooted in the late 90s the attempt was to do uh, if they if they are celebrities, right? You know, kind of celebrity heroes. Joe right? Casey wrote one of those, right? Wasn't was it a reality show? I think it and might then, be. No, 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 no. It wasn't a reality show. Force? That was that was that was Wild Guard. No, that was not. Okay. Yeah, the reality show was never. There was never a reality show side of it. So like first when 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 Liefeld launched it, when Image launched, it was government sanctioned. That's right. Then that's in right. 90, 97, Alan Moore came in and he tried to make it more. You know, that's when Supreme got tied in, and there was more of World War II history and all that sort of stuff. You know, and then we had uh, in early 2000s. That's when it was kind of put to more the more celebrity kind of thing. 2005 is jo uh, Josh. That's when Joe Casey did it, and what he did was he rescripted the original miniseries. So like okay. it wasn't it wasn't a new version. It was he that's took right. the old stuff and rescripted it, which I thought was really interesting. Which is a you know kind of thing, and then they rebooted it in 2011. Which wasn't any good, and then now this is the latest version where we, we not only are, so the so the premise now is that the team has been disbanded. Years have passed. Die Hard is president, which is ridiculous. And there's an app called Help or Helper that superheroes respond to, and and, and you know like it's 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 struggling for relevance in a modern. It's an old idea struggling for relevance in a modern world. I found it interesting that the Jim Tao art was sort of in line with what's happening in the Wildstorm. Yeah. It's sort of similarly styled. And then uh, and then there's the backup. Which, and the uh, backup. I didn't I didn't like any of this. <laughs> I was bored. I was bored. 
I think that's safe to say. Let's just, I let's just go to I rating. I also didn't know what was going on. Like, I just, I, I don't think yeah. I've read a Young Blood book in 20 years. And I was, well, and, 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 they didn't and do a good job young, explaining things. Right. Young Blood is a book that I have enjoyed back, you know, 25 years ago. And every time Liefeld tries to get new creators to reboot it or whatever, like I said, they struggle to make it relevant in this world and it fails. And I think that's for a reason because it's an old it's an old idea and nobody has really, you know, like similar to us groaning when we see people trying to work Twitter or social media into comics, this idea of this app that heroes respond to and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, the older heroes um, watching a younger generation, all this stuff, it just felt all tired kind of tropes and, you know, and it just smacks trying too hard for me. I don't um, feel like that's a bad idea. I think it's a pretty good idea, but I do feel like I've seen it. Yeah. Somewhere. Or was, wasn't that in um is the villain version of it in Nick Spencer's foes of the uh, foes of Spider Man, I think. Yeah. That was what it was. All right. Or, no, no, Ant Man. Nick Spencer. It was the it was the Ant Man book. Ratings, ratings, ratings. I, I, I have one more comment on the thing before we go to it. Yeah. So I'm following along. I'm trying to I'm trying to sort of like absorb it, like you know, like trying to find something nice. And you get to the, the last page when when Shaft, which I don't feel like comfortable saying. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It's just like it, I I feel like it's a bad double entendre, and I'm supposed to just be okay with that, and I'm not. All right, just move on. But there's the last page of him standing there in that costume, and I just thought, God, that's awful. Just like I, I don't, I just don't like the aesthetic or the design, and I, it was, I was instantly like, nope, that'll do. And that's before I even got to the backup area. Yeah. Ratings, ratings, two. ratings. Two, two and a half, two and a half. I think the problem wasn't so much execution though, as it was just like this is, yeah. it, there's not a thing here. Yep. Sticking with it. No. 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 All right. All right. Well, thank you, patrons. And you can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, sign up, and you get your opportunity to become uh, to vote on a book for us to talk about every week, you bastards. <laughs> so also, you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, and you give above the $5 level, you get your own superpower, which we give to you on the show. And uh, this week, we're going to thank a couple people for signing up. Blake Etheridge. You know how um, Forge can make anything? Out of what's around. Yep. He's like a super MacGyver. Uh, Blake can cook anything out of what's around. He's a, no. cul- he's a culinary forge. Even even like plastic? If it's edible, Ron, and not poison. Okay, so it's gotta be it's gotta be it's gotta be organic. It's still then. food. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He can make anything. All right. Uh, did you have breakfast this morning, Connor? I did not. Oh, there you go. All right. There you go. <laughs> And we're getting close to lunchtime. Julian Halligan. We're getting past lunchtime for me. I still haven't eaten. Uh, Julian Halligan um, is the human foghorn. <laughs> what does that, what like does that, that. mean? I do like that. He can open his mouth and make the big foghorn sound. <laughs> uh, is it only when fog's around, or does he can do it? At any no, time? no. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a skill or an ability that he has. You know, like. We need to warn those people. I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. Okay. No, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. Loud. It's a good one. Like on, like if it was a shipping vi- a vessel. Sweet. So we want to Frank thank Freddie Wadsworth. Freddie Wadsworth. Um, and you know how like in the Inhumans, Medusa has the prehensile hair kind of thing, where yep. she's got very long hair and can control or whatever. Yep. Um, he he has similar power, uh, but it's just his nose hair. 
Hmm. So his nose, his nose hair can grow really long, and then he can – it's prehensile. He can pick things up and stuff like that, but then it contracts back into his nose. Prehensile nose hair. All right. <laughs> can he trim it? Well, yeah. He, he can control the length of it. He can make oh. it really long, pull it back in. That's so the thing. But he's also he doesn't need to trim it, but he also then can pick things up with it and that sort of thing, which is kind of – which is great when you're moving luggage, but it looks weird. Not so great when you're on a date. Exactly. Well, he's got to he's got to pull back unless she's like she's going to knock. She knocks over the wine bottle and he uses his nose hair to grab it. Like kind of like, oh, I got it. <laughs> it's like, what is that? Still not good. <laughs> uh, Scott Seaholm. Scott Seaholm uh, in one word Xerox. I think we need more than the one word. All right. Well, he puts his hand on a document and out of his other hand comes a copy. Does he, does he, does he I, have, I didn't know where we were going or, up until other hand. <laughs> and out of his... Does he, have, does he have organic toner? Is this all internal organic toner paper? He's got Is you covered. Is it toner or inkjet? Uh, he's, he's, got, he's a laser copier. Nice. Inkjet. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So go, go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can sign up. Anybody who signs up at the $5 level or higher gets their uh, f- superpower for free uh, that we bestow to you on a show. Um, and that is just one way you can help support iFanboy. Go to ifanboy.com slash support and find all the other great ways. Uh, there's a link there to shop on Amazon. You can do your uh, – it's never too early to start Christmas shopping. Uh, and you can <laughs> – sure, Oh, my God. Shut link. your mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Any shopping you do on Amazon, a little we get a little kickback from Amazon. Not from you. It doesn't come out of your pocket. It comes out of Jeff Bezos' pocket. So that's really uh, an easy way to help support our fanboy. Also, you can d- uh, donate directly via the PayPal button. And we thank everybody who's done that up to date. Or, as we mentioned earlier, patreon.com slash ifanboy. Uh, we are less than $700 away from doing a monthly, uh, adding another monthly podcast where we're talking about some media that's not comics related. So if you want to hear us talk about movies or TVs, TV shows or books or music or whatever, we'll do it once a month. we got to hit that goal, though. Uh, we're seeing, you know, seeing more patrons come on every day, and so please keep it going. If you're thinking about supporting iFanboy, now is the time. Go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. And the t-shirt, uh, t-shirt uh, merch store that was our previous goal is launching this month it's gonna be very very soon it would have been this week except i was on the road so i'm sorry and in fact if you if patrons go back to the la- the last hangout that we did uh last earlier this week last this week, week last week monday yeah previous this previous monday uh you can see a preview of one of the shirts uh so you definitely want to go check that out and it gives ratings. you an idea of what's coming ratings quite a hit ratings. in the uh in the chat room yeah which is nice i was see. happy to see that yeah very cool so yeah go to patreon.com slash ifanboy we thank everybody for their support on to the email. Ken L. from Valparaiso, Indiana, says, Here is a question I've been wondering about for these three years. In lettering of comics, we often see words that are bold-faced. In a lot of cases, the bold-face goes on a word that might be emphasized verbally, like the butler did it. But in other cases, the bold type seems to go on arbitrary words. <laughs> what is the decision process a letterer might use to decide which words to display in bold-faced type? All those words were in boldface in his email. Yeah, the words that Connor's emphasizing were in bold. It's hard. It's, it's not really an audio joke. So yeah, but yeah, no, that's a good question. Is that you know for years and years and years we've seen lettering, um, we've seen bold used in comics in different ways, and sometimes people wonder what it is. It's a fair question, Ken. So what we did was, as opposed to us trying to answer it, we went to an expert. And I reached out to friend of the show, Chris Eliopoulos, master letterer, the finest letterer in the business, if you ask us. Um, and Chris says his response was pretty simple. Simple was all in bold. 
The, the letter bolds the words the writer indicates in a script. As a writer, I tend to bold the words I emphasize in a sentence. Some others bold the words they think are important. Take, for example, the sentence, I never said she stole my money. That sentence could have seven different meanings depending on which word you emphasize. The bolding of words in comics does that job for me. I will say that some writers aren't sure how to bold words and tend to bold almost every other word. We call that shatnering because it's so much like Captain Kirk speak. Which I thought was great, by the way. A little behind the scenes. Letter uh, gossip. Letter or talk. Yeah, letter or talk. In some cases, the proper names of characters are bolded to emphasize the naming of that character. Then, obviously, there are other cases when a character is shouting and the words are bolded to show that it is loud. So, uh, different reasons for bold. Hopefully that clears things up, but it doesn't look like there's a hard and fast rule, and it's just used for emphasis, really. Emphasis. I thought that was funny. I would have liked to go to gone into more detail about the seven different meanings of I never said she stole well, my money, it, because though. it's true. Yeah, if you bold I, it's I never said she stole my money. 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 That's the Goodfellas read at the end. So, <laughs> you know who was uh, an uh, an inveterate Shatnerer? Who? Kirby. Who? When Kirby did yes. the Fourth World, he was just like it was seemingly at random and constant, and that was a lot of people would read them and be like, "What? What is going yep. on here?" So there, it's some rare. I don't know if it's the opposite of praise, but if you read a lot of those sort of '70s Kirby books, that's what they look like. That's how they read. Well, thank you, Chris Eliopoulos, for chiming in and giving us the uh, the expertise there. So, one, one more, one more. Eric F of Brooklyn said, "I had an argument with a friend, which is about which current writer in comics has the chance to be considered the best writer in comics history. I said Jason Aaron because he's the most consistent writer now and has made no mediocre or bad books. My friend said Kirkman because of how he changed the industry and has defined a new version of success for comic writers." Moot point, since I think Stan Lee is the de facto choice probably forever, but my question in these kinds of arguments is, what is your criteria for these lists, and on a scale of one to Electra, how important is impact? Can you consider someone one of the best if they don't change everything, but instead do the job at the highest level for a long time? That's a good question. It's a good question. I don't agree with any of it. (laughs) (laughs) Any of what? Any of the, I don't either of their things. Like he's I, I, great, I, but I'm not going to call him the greatest writer in comic history. Wait, I mean, um, it's hard. Think, it's hard. It's hard to do that greatest in history because that it's all, is it's all subjective. Yeah. Well. Well. I, well, I mean, not like, only is it not only is it subjective, but it, it requires the, the the standing the test of time. And, and the other thing is, in comic book writing, there's a lot of standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Yeah. And so you could make all sorts of arguments. Stan Lee. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get into the muck of who the yeah. best writers, how do we rate? impact as a criteria in the argument that's the real question i think i think i think i think i agree with josh and disagreeing because i don't think you can yes kirkman had an impact on the business of comics but that doesn't affect his writing again we're not talking about the writer writer. we're talking about how do you how do you rate the impact as a writer in their how important is impact in a writer if you're a writer who only writes great comics but never changes the industry never has an impact never creates an important character never tells them you know like how important it's like rod it's like a Solid 300 hitter, 25 home runs yep. every year, 100 RBIs. But never more than right. that. It's just you know, 25 years of solid numbers. How important is that versus a guy who you know, changes the way the game is played? That's really the question. Right, yeah. I mean, like, like you, you think about the impact of somebody who you know, has an amazing year and breaks a record. 
but then hits 275 for the rest of his career. You know what I mean? Like, is it, right. yeah, that, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, honestly, I think I think is there's more to be said for longevity and consistency of quality than changing the game. You know, to but a certain degree. That, that there's, I think you have to have both. To be called the best ever, you have to have both. Yeah. You have to have both because there's lots of guys that we can point to. I mean, if it's just being good for a really long time, good is also subjective. And also it's it's based sort of on what time that stuff is being done in. You know, good for 1960 is not the same as good for 1985, which isn't the same thing for now. So, you know, Kurt Busiek, he's he's one of the great ones. But is he one of the best? No, he didn't. You know, he's he's doing his thing. It's sometimes it's noticed. Sometimes it's not. It has to be a combination of all of those things. To be called the best ever, I think you have to have all of them. Yeah. Which, which, I mean, it leads into the conversation. You can start using examples because you start to say, why or why not this person? So, like, I mean, my first instinct would be like, well, in my lifetime, the closest to that is probably Alan Moore. Yes. Because of all of those things. I could say that Garth Ennis is my favorite, but I don't think that he has quite the impact that an Alan Moore did. If Alan, if it came out right now that Alan Moore was like going to write, Aquaman, like it would be the biggest thing ever. Right. And it would be really good because he's never done anything that wasn't really good. That's he's done true. stuff that people didn't. Oh, I, I think he's done stuff that people didn't like, but it was because he wanted to. And for what it was, it was really good, but it wasn't what people were looking for from him necessarily. I don't think there's any writers never done something that's not good. No, I know that. I mean, like that, like not 100%. That's fine. But like who else in that? Like Grant Morrison, Frank Miller, these are sort of the modern guys. Modern in the sense of not Silver Age, basically. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you have to have a game-changing impact to be the best ever in in, in some way. And I think the only person, the only modern person, is Alan Moore. Yeah, you can make a case for for Frank Miller. You can make a case for Frank Miller. I, I mean, and and in in more recent, you could make a case for Grant, and you could make a case for Bendis. I could say, but but again, that's got to change. That that's got to stand the test of time. But those, but yeah, you have to every back. comic is still being written like a ripoff of Dark Knight or Watchmen. Right. Yeah, yeah, tonally. Yeah. It's still being yeah. felt, and, and, you know, 30 years later. And in a yeah. way, lots of comics were written trying to rip off Bendis for a long time. And there's, you know, yeah. there's there's less successful sort of uh, Morrison wannabes. Yeah. But I don't know that Bendis probably did more to change the way comics were. Mainstream comics were built sort of in long term storytelling than anybody since since more. I don't think you have the secret of Empire number one all meeting issue without Bendis. Yeah, agreed. Totally have, agreed. Totally yeah. agreed. Totally agreed. I, I think yeah. Marvel as it is, is is, and part of the reason why it's starting to feel stale is that I think they're trying to get away from the Bendis model and they haven't figured out how yet. Yeah. The, pro- the problem is that we we are comics, and this goes back to what we were talking about with the state of the industry a couple of weeks ago, Josh, but I think that you know, regardless of whether we're coming out of the age of the writer or not or whatever, comics desperately needs the next Alan Moore or Frank Miller to come in and just turn everything upside down. And I don't, you know, and that's the kind of thing you can't predict. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know who it's going to be. But of the current crop, I don't see anybody who is like that. What's interesting is that, like, I think it has to be a writer artist. One thing, like, I feel like, or or just a team of new people who we've never heard really do something amazing. We Like, we need a a watchman, basically. And and we're doing... People are trying so hard to make one that we're not getting one. But like you take a guy like Terry Moore or James Stokoe or something like that. Guy who's working on the fringe, like undeniably brilliant, interesting, unique, makes an impact, but not like a widespread impact. We've got a lot of those guys, I feel like. 
And I feel I feel like we've had momentary glimpses of moments, you know, like say what say what you will or whether you want it. But I mean, I think, like, you know, Fraction Aha on Hawkeye was a moment of like, oh, yeah. this is, you know, they, but but I don't think it was that enough. Was moment. Of a, yeah, that it was a moment. A it wasn't a career. Yeah, it wasn't a career. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good question, though. But yeah, I, I, as much as I as much as I think Jason Aaron is one of the best writers in the business right now, I, I you know, like, well, I don't I don't know. I don't think any current writer in comics right now has the chance to yeah. be considered the best comic writer in history. That's what I think. Yeah. Because yeah. because nobody none of them invented anything. You have and to go back to yeah. that. Yeah. Totally includes Kirkman. I think you could say you could have the conversation of who's the best business person of most, all time. Or who's the most impactful comic book writer yeah. currently. But if you're talking best of all time, like that's sealed. That's done. And I don't know I don't know who that answer is, but I know it's one of the people who isn't doing it anymore. Whether it's yeah. uh, you know, you you can make an argument <laughs> all right. Stanley Eisner. I mean like there's well, yeah, but those are legends. I mean, that that yeah, I know, that, but it's, those are the, legends, the best time. ever. Yeah, it would be a legend. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, they yeah. invented the game. It's yeah. like Babe Ruth being the baseball baseball player of all time. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. like, and you look at Connor. You go back to baseball. Like, who's the Babe Ruth of now? Like, nobody. You know, like I'm. You know, so well, Aaron Judge uh, apparently. <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Well, if you've got any questions, you can email us at content.ifanboy.com. You can send us your emails or voice clips in an MP3. It's always great to hear from you. Tell us who you are, where you're from, how long you thought about it, and make sure to keep it short to get on the show. All right. We got lots to plug. Josh, take, kick, it, kick things off for us. So you guys are going to do a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 show. Yes. Right. I've seen, the, I've seen the movie at this point. And I, I will have seen it by the time people hear the show. So yes. like next week, next week, this, yes. this week coming up, this week, you'll, yes. you'll, yeah. there will be a show. So look out for that. Yes. And also this month, look out for Teen Titans, the Judas Contract, the animated brain trust. We'll be talking about that sometime this month because I have to go away again unexpectedly. <laughs> and I don't saw it may get pushed off a little bit, but it'll be sometime this month. And also we'll possibly do a show on the Vixen release that they're doing, the uh, collection of those online cartoons they did that take place in the TV universe. We may, mm. al- may also do that. Excellent. And uh, we've got a Booksplode coming up this month. Last month we had the Talksplode that Josh talked to Aubrey Sitterson about, which was great. This month we're going to do a Booksplode. We're going to be reading Roughneck by Jeff Lemire. So this is a little your advance warning. You can pick up the book and read it uh, in ahead of time to follow along in our conversation, but looking forward to it. There was a patron hangout in May that was for April. <laughs> but there's going to be a May one also, even though we're not, they're not switching them all. You're not losing one. We're just speeding it up a little bit. Um, so I watch out for details on when that happens. You got to watch uh, Twitter or Facebook um, and we'll mention on here beforehand, but, but you'll know if you want to make plans to be there for that when it's happening, watch this space. And Ron and I will be talking about iron fist this month. Probably. Yes. I, I, I made a major dent in my watching this week. So we are we're, we're almost there. Ron, I finished it yesterday, so he's up. He's, oh, you son now. of a bitch. All right, yeah, I should be done next week, so we can do that soon. I That'll made it 30 com- minutes into one episode. Congratulations. Oh, but yeah, one of the reasons why I was able to make a dent in Iron Fist is that over at my, uh, at my Twin Peaks podcast with Tom Merritt, a damn fine podcast, we finally finished season two. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm done. I stopped a marathon rewatch, so now I can watch everything else that's been backing up. But if you're a Twin Peaks fan, May 21st is the return of Twin Peaks to Showtime. Season three kicks off May 21st. So to celebrate that, Tom Merritt and I will be hosting a live stream for damn fine podcast patrons, and Connor's going to be appearing on it as well. 
Bills. Connor's a regular on the show. So if you're interested in that, if you want to watch us talk about, uh, we're going to be talking about some of the books of, uh, related to Twin Peaks as well as our speculation and uh, concerns and worries about <laughs> Twin Peaks. That's going to be on May 21st, probably in the late afternoon or early evening uh, before season three starts. you got to be a patron, though, uh, of Damn Fine Podcast. So go to patreon.com slash Podcast to sign up. You can sign up for as little as a dollar and you can get in on the live stream. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And Connor, I'm looking forward to it as we both we, <laughs> we, we bite our nails and ner- nerves. Can I tease the guest lineup for the that show we just recorded? Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. So we, we, we like I mentioned, we finished season two. And for the season two finale, Connor returned. And Connor, you can reveal the other It guests. was uh, me and Ron and Tom and Gabriel Hardman talking about the what yes. was then the series finale of Twin Peaks. And it's now just the season two finale. And it was a very and, interesting group of personalities talking about that. that and Gabe did, Gabe did not disappoint. <laughs> it was super fun. So head it over at DanFinePodcast.com. And you can go over to iFanboy.com, of course, to talk about this show, see of all the other things we've done, listen to old podcasts. Everything we've ever done is there. So you can do that. And, of course, like I just briefly mentioned, go to Facebook, Facebook.com slash iFanboy or at iFanboy on Twitter to find out what the pick of the week is before the show, when that hangout is happening, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, you can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan, at RonXO, and C.S. Patrick on Instagram. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. That's for any podcast you listen to, whether that be – this show, Damn Fine Podcast, uh, any of the other popular ones that invented podcasting, go listen to them and leave a review. I just watched someone leave one live the other day, and it was wow, yeah, it was exciting. Yeah. Wow, it wasn't that exciting. They just hit a star number, but it was, it was appreciated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it was nice to have everybody back together. So, Connor, uh, thanks for coming back. We missed you. Thank you. I missed. I, I was listening to the shows. And I was very entertained, but also sad to have missed them. But I'm happy to be back. I right, think well, that, so, that describes our shows pretty well. Entertained, but sad. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Let us know if you're still listening at this point, because I don't think you are.